Lord, I need you. Oh, how I need you. In this moment, Lord, I need you. Come, Lord Jesus, make yourself known among us to the glory of your Father and our Lord. Amen. There was an Anglican church in the deep south that was planning a new sanctuary. The young rector was not happy with the seating habits of his congregation. They usually sat in near the back of the church as possible. Only latecomers sat in the front pews, and then only because there were no seats in the rear. The rector met with the architect and devised a plan to correct the problem. The first Sunday that the new building was open for services, the congregation began arriving only to find that there was only one row of pews, the front row. The first to arrive took a seat up front. When the front row was filled, the floor behind them opened, and up popped a second row of pews. When the second row was filled, up popped the third. This continued row by row until the new sanctuary was filled front to back. The rector was delighted. One look at his face told how satisfied he was. At long last, he would not have to preach over two or three empty rows of pews. When the time came for the young rector, he stepped into the beautiful new pulpit to preach. Fifteen minutes passed. Twenty, twenty-five, thirty. At thirty-one minutes into his sermon, the floor of the pulpit started going down. <laughs> there are pulpits of all, side, of all sorts. There are pulpits carved of stone, pulpits carved of wood. Some large and ornate, some small and simple. There are even clear acrylic pulpits, all kinds of pulpits. I did an internet search on pulpits. I was looking for a story I once heard about the first pulpit that had written on it, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. What I found was that there are pulpits all over the world that have the text from today's gospel carved and written or written on them. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Look with me at John 12, verse 20 and following. Verse 20 says, John tells us, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was of Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. There are two Greek words that are sometimes translated the same. One could mean Greek-speaking Jews. These Greeks, however, were really Greeks. They are Gentiles come to Jerusalem to worship at the Passover. They are doubtless converts to Judaism. They have heard of Jesus, his teaching, and his miraculous works. So they went to Philip and asked, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew, and together they went to Jesus. Jesus' response was not, bring them to me, not where are they, not take me to them. His response was somewhat strange. Verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus had repeatedly said, 
my hour has not come. At the wedding in Cana, Jesus' mother came to him and said, they have no wine. Jesus said, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not come. When Jesus' brothers urged him to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Booths, he said, my hour has not yet come. Later, he went up to the feast, and the Jews were seeking to arrest him, but the scripture tells us no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. After he taught, saying, I am the light of the world, the text again says, no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Now Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What does it mean that he be glorified? Clearly it means that he must die. How is that glorification? Jesus explains, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is that grain of wheat that must be dead and buried, then be raised as first fruits in the resurrection. Only by dying, once for all, for us and for our sin, could Jesus ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit upon the church. My wife Carolyn grew up on a wheat farm in southern Kansas. When her mother died, Carolyn inherited the farm. For three years, she was probably the only person in the Carolinas who subscribed to the Plains edition of the American Farm Journal. She managed the farm from Charlotte, deciding when to leave the wheat in storage and when to sell it. She understands as well as anyone that grain must be used for seed, must be planted in the earth, and die to bear fruit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, echoing the teaching of Jesus, that what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he chooses, and each kind of seed its own body. Beloved, just as a single kernel of wheat dies and is raised to new life as a full head of grain, so Jesus had to die, that he not be alone, but in the power of the Holy Spirit bear much fruit. That fruit is the body of Christ. We, the body of Christ, the church, must also, likewise, lay down our lives for his sake. Verse 25, Jesus says, whoever loses his life, excuse me, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. As Paul wrote to the Roman church, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We will be raised with him into the presence of the Father. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, Jesus said. Son of Man is a messianic title, but it also declares Jesus' humanity. Out of his humanity, Jesus exclaims in verse 27, Now is my soul troubled, 
And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus' own people had rejected him. Now the Greeks are seeking him. Now the message of the gospel will go to the nations. The name of the Father and the Son will be glorified as Jesus yields to this hour. For this purpose, Jesus said, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your your name. Verse 28. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. This was the third time that we heard the voice of God the Father concerning Jesus. The first was at his baptism by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. In Matthew's gospel, the voice addressed the crowd, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. In Mark and Luke, the voice addressed Jesus, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. John's account of Jesus' baptism comes after the fact. John the Baptist says of Jesus, I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. The second time we heard the voice of of God was at the Transfiguration. Again, the gospel writers differ in their report. Matthew has the voice from the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Mark omits the phrase, with whom I am well pleased, saying only, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Luke reports that the voice out of the cloud says, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. God does, John does not report the transfiguration. But in his second epistle, Paul, Peter reports to, that the father said, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Peter then says, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, that while, for we were with him on the holy mountain, that is, the mountain of transfiguration. All in all, these accounts are remarkably similar, especially considering that they were written years after each event. But when you hear God speak, it is hard to forget. I was in a Holiday Inn in Charleston in the mid-1970s. I was kneeling at the bed in prayer. My eyes were closed. As I prayed, I sensed someone standing at the foot of the bed. I opened my eyes, but there was no one there. I went back to prayer. Again, I sensed someone standing at the foot of the bed. Again, there was no one there. This happened a third time. When I opened my eyes the third time, I heard the Lord speak to me. Seek not to see me as Thomas sought to see me, but seek to know me as Isaiah knew me. Need I say that I started reading Isaiah? (laughs) There in chapter 6 I found this, Here am I, send me. I shared my experience with Bishop Alfred Stanway, the founding dean and president of Trinity School for Ministry. Alf, as he liked to be known, was for 30 years a missionary bishop in East Africa, a leader of the East African revival. 
When I finished my story with Here Am I, Send Me, Al said, you left out the best part. The Lord said, go. And so I went. Now, 40 years later, I'm still going. Still reading Isaiah. Am I mentally ill because I heard God speak? Some would say yes. But the jury is still out. John alone reports this third incident of God the Father speaking in a way that is heard by a large number of people at one time. And what did he say? I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. Verse 30. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Do you know how Isaiah ends? The next to the last verse says, All flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Jesus echoes these words in today's gospel. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Beloved, let me be clear. The gospel writers Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John lifted up Jesus. Paul and Timothy lifted up Jesus. Martin Luther, Thomas Cranmer, and the Reformers lifted up Jesus. John Wesley and George Whitfield lifted up Jesus. Jonathan Edwards, Billy Sunday, Dwight L. Moody, and the late great Billy Graham lifted up Jesus. Bishops, priests, and deacons throughout the Christian era have lifted up Jesus. Countless other preachers have lifted up Jesus. They have pointed men and women, boys and girls, to Jesus. And it is a wonderful thing that they have done. But let me be clear. Not one of them ever saved a soul. Jesus is not talking about evangelism or the preaching of the gospel when he says, and I, when I am lifted from the earth, will draw all people to myself. The text explains, verse 33, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Only the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross ever saved a soul. The people knew exactly what he meant, but they didn't understand how this could be. Verse 34. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? The crowd had begun to see Jesus as the Christ. And they understood the title Son of Man to be a Messianic reference. What they did not understand was that the Christ must die. The crowd understood that being lifted up meant that Jesus would hang above the earth on a Roman cross and that he must die there. But the Greek text could be translated, And I, when I am lifted out of the earth, will draw all people to myself. What Jesus meant, we cannot be entirely sure. But there is a movement upward. Up on the cross, yes, certainly that much. Up from the grave, up at the ascension, up to the Father's right hand, highly exalted. 
Paul wrote to the Philippians, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father and Son both glorified, his name glorified, the name that is above every name. What had the crowd asked? How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Who indeed? Verse 35. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. Beloved, Jesus is the light, the bright, piercing light of the good news of God's revelation in the person of the Father's only Son. That light is not hidden by a curtain behind which only the learned or those with special knowledge may peer. It is not concealed. It is not complicated. It is truth revealed, open and exposed by the clear light of day. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. But we preach Christ, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Worldly wisdom will not reveal God. God our Heavenly Father is revealed only by the light of Jesus Christ. Wisdom will not save your soul. Believing in the finished work of the cross will save your soul. Why would you walk in darkness when you can have the light of Christ? That light is as accessible to all who come. Lay aside your worldly wisdom. Refuse the methodologies taught by strange doctrine. Pick up your Bible and read it. It is there. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. From the prologue of John, we read, The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Believe that you may become sons of light. Believe that you may become children of God. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Do you really? Do you really want to see Jesus? Pick up your Bible and read. Start wherever you like, but read it. You will see Jesus there. You will also see Jesus when you come to this table today. As you respond to the invitation, the gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you 
and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Come to the table saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. He is here. Pray with me. Father, open our eyes that we might see Jesus. Open our hearts that we might love him. And take our hands that we might serve him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.